We ready to worship, church? Of any Sunday that I could think of in my life in this nation that we need to worship and lift our voices, it's today. Amen? So let's unashamedly worship the King today. Oh, I was buried beneath my shame. Who could carry that kind of weight? It was mine too. Till I met you.
Holy Spirit, come invade this place, invade this place. As your children, as your church, we worship you. We lay down our weapons and let you fight for us. I lay down my weapons and I worship. Cause the weapon may be formed, but it won't prosper. And when the darkness falls, it won't prevail. Cause the God I serve knows only how to triumph. My God will never fail. Amen, church. My God will never fail. I'm going to see a victory. I'm going to see a victory. For the battle belongs to you, Lord. I'm going to see a victory. I'm going to see a victory. For the battle belongs to you, Lord. There's power in the mighty name of Jesus. Every war he wages, he will down from any giant no and I know church this morning this cannot just be simple words if it's just words it means nothing but we are the church of Jesus Christ his bride and we know that there is power through his Holy Spirit so we these are just words the weapon not just against this nation who needs healing this morning Sickness, infirmity, that's a weapon of the enemy. There's many weapons of the enemy, and we are declaring this morning 
that our king will take what the enemy has meant for evil and he'll turn it for good. Jesus, we believe this. These aren't just words, God. Would you anoint with your spirit these words as your your people, this chosen generation who has been called for this season, for this very hour in this nation, for the church to turn our face to you, the king. We declare this, God, anoint this worship to please you, Jesus. Would you heal this morning, God? Would you reconcile this morning, God? Would you fight battles in the spirit this morning, God? You take what the enemy meant for evil and you turn it for good. You turn it for good. You take what the enemy meant for evil turn it for good you turn it for good you take you take what the enemy meant for evil and you turn it for good you turn it for good sets his gaze on you. I know it might feel, I feel like this morning God wants to minister one-on-one to you this morning. And, And I feel like many of us, we feel like I have to lay down, I have to forget about these other things that I've been worried about because I feel the intensity of the, of the battle around me and there's been things, what if this happens, what if that happens, I better get ready for this, I better get ready for that. And many of us have forgotten ministering to ourselves and to our families. God is fighting battles this morning that we have no idea about. But can we as a church to ready ourselves for battle? Can we just surrender right now? God, we give you permission. I know he doesn't, he's, he can do anything he wants, but he gives us free will. And I say this morning, God, I want you to minister to me. Can you just tell him that? 
yours. Can we all just say that, God, I'm yours. Heal me. Prepare me. when he took a nap in the boat and all, all of his followers, he said, Don't, where is he? Doesn't he see what's happening? What's happening all around? Doesn't he know what's happening? There's this storm raging and he's sleeping in the boat. Where is he? And he has that authority that he knows he can rest in the middle of the storm. Church, I love you. You are my family. You are my brothers and sisters. But I feel this tension rising up across America within the church, this tension that we have to somehow in the flesh fight our own battles. And we all know what we need to do. Yes, there's time for action. But this morning, our, the action that we do is complete surrender and watch him fight our battles. Rushing like a mighty wind, God. Rushing like a mighty wind. Rushing like a mighty wind, God. Rushing. Rushing like a mighty wind, God. Rushing like a mighty wind. Rushing like a mighty wind, God. Like a mighty wind, God. 
I just felt led to read um, the passage that um, this song is undoubtedly written from. Just, I want you to just close your eyes. Sometimes it helps to close your eyes and picture you're right there with the disciples, okay? Imagine Jesus has told them to go to the upper room to wait for the promised Holy Spirit, all right? And so this is what it says in Acts 2. And I know you guys are familiar with this passage, but I want to read this. Suddenly, I'm sorry, when the day of Pentecost arrived, they were together in one place. By the way, that's a big deal. Come on, unity. Together in one place, seeking one thing, and that's the presence of God. Uh, Can everybody say together? Together. Who's together this morning? All right, got about four of you. That's great. So clearly we need to stop at verse 1. All right, let's stop at verse 1. Who's willing to put aside all your differences on how you view things and be together to seek God? Got about 70%, so we're going to try one more time. Because I'm telling you, there's a scripture on our wall out there that means a lot, right? It says, there the Lord commands his blessing when people are gathered together in unity. So let me ask this again. No matter how you view the events of 2020, okay, are you willing to sacrifice those opinions for the sake of unity, for the sake of the gospel reaching the lost. There we go. Because if you don't have the Holy Spirit empowering you, you're in your own strength and you won't have the effectiveness to reach the lost. All right? All right. So now we'll get to verse two. Suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind. I have a feeling that's how you wrote this song from, right? And it filled the entire house where they were seated. Divided tongues of fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them the ability. They were uh, now dwelling there in Jerusalem were Jews, devout men of every nation under heaven. And at the sound of this multitude came together, they were all bewildered because each one was hearing them speak in his own language. They were amazed, saying, Are not all of these people Galileans? How is it that we hear everything in our native tongue? And then they go on to talk about all the native tongues that were there. And it says, But others stood by mocking them. They're filled with wine. They're drunk. And I want to tell you, when you are filled with the Spirit of God, you will often be misunderstood. So you'll be more effective in what God wants you to do, but don't be surprised if you're also misunderstood. Every person who was ever filled with the Spirit of God was misunderstood. Turn to your neighbor and say, are you willing to be misunderstood? We're not even in the sermon yet, and I think God is challenging us. Some of you are like, ah, not ready yet, right? But I feel like God wants to pour out his spirit as we sing this song. So I want you just to open up your hands, if you will. And maybe you're brand new to the idea of the presence of God. Maybe you you love Jesus. Maybe you gave your heart to Christ in, in a church. And, and that's incredible. That's the most important thing. The second most important thing is that you have the second experience that the Bible calls the baptism of the spirit. Now, here's what's remarkable. I don't have to come touch your forehead to do that, Right? God's spirit can fill you right there, right now. I've seen him do it a million times. I've seen, I've seen God fill an entire room with the Holy Spirit before. I, 
works. God can do that. How many realize God can do that? Raise your hands right now, and Will's going to sing, and we're going to ask God to rush into this room, rush into my life. Come on, repeat this after me. Holy Spirit, rush into my life. Do something new in me. Fill me to overflowing. I'm not satisfied being a spectator. I'm not satisfied being a spectator. Fill me with your presence. Rush in like a mighty wind, God. Come on, lift it up. Rush in like a mighty wind, God. Fill us with your spirit. Fill us with your spirit, Lord. Sing this. Rushing like a mighty wind, God. Rushing like a mighty wind. Rushing like a mighty wind, God. Rushing. Rushing like a mighty wind, God. Rushing like a mighty wind. Rushing like a mighty wind, God. something that, you know, I've, I've told Danielle before, you can always spot someone who's filled with the Spirit, 
because they just want Jesus lifted higher. Right? That's the role of the Holy Spirit. And so this is what happens. This is what, this is the, it's the perfect combination here when you've got this, this bridge saying, right? Be lifted up higher. Why? When the Spirit fills you, you care less about you lifted up higher and you care more about Jesus lifted up higher. And how many know Jesus is the answer? Come on, before we close the musical time of worship, can we lift up that chorus again? Be lifted up. Be lifted up higher. And let's worship him. Let's lift our hands to heaven and say, Jesus, you are worthy. Be lifted up higher. We lift your name up higher. Be lifted up higher. We lift your name up higher. Be lifted up higher. We lift your name up higher. Be lifted up higher. Jesus, you are worthy of all praise, all glory. God, all praise and all glory. We fix our eyes on you. Lord, in a time in our culture when it is incredibly easier to fix our eyes on a person, we fix our eyes on you. You are the author and finisher of our faith. You are Jesus. You are the Rose of Sharon. You are the Son of David. You are the Son of God, the Son of Man. You are the only righteous one. You're the only Messiah. You're the only one that saves God. And we fix our eyes on you and your word. And we ask you to fill us fresh with your spirit, Lord. I know you already are. I know in this house this morning, as we have come together, Lord, like the disciples and just lifted up our hearts and lifted up our hands to you and said, God, fill me with your spirit, just like those early followers. You are faithful, Lord, to do that. And I know right now, even as I speak, you're filling people in this room, people watching at home with your presence. And God, we know the goal, like we've said at all those Holy Spirit nights, the goal is not that we have goosebumps. The goal is that we are empowered to preach the gospel. Right after they were filled in Acts 2, what happened? Peter preached and 3,000 were saved. Father, embolden us, equip us to tell people about you. Can we close this time with that prayer? Say, God, equip me, empower me to tell people about you. In Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. Isn't it good just being together in God's house? All right, you may be seated. Um, you know what? I, I'm going to say this at Vision Night on Friday with our, with our board and staff, but I just want to tell you guys, I have been incredibly blessed with Pastor Dave and Michelle. Can you give them a big hand? Michelle, can you wave? Can you just give us like a, I don't know, what, what's that wave called? 
I don't know what that nailed it. Princess wave out there. Um, yeah, and it was like the fourth interview. I, I said, is that a keyboard behind you? And he said, yeah, I play keys and bass. I said, oh, that's good because we have a very strong worship culture here. So you'll undoubtedly be tapped every now and then. But he, um, Dave is just, uh, did you just leap from there like Superman? That was impressive. Not going to lie. Uh, not going to lie. I'm impressed. <laughs> Uh, by the way, I did that last, when you when you getting close to forty, Dave, and you do that, you pull a muscle from here to here. I'm just letting you know, happened right there about two weeks ago. Um, anyway, I have been really thankful for Pastor Dave and Michelle. They have been incredible. So one more time, can you welcome them and thank them? <clears throat> See how I did that more carefully that time. <laughs> um, so I've got some announcements for you. First of all, welcome to Rock of Grace. We are leading people to follow Jesus together. Amen. And uh, just excited that uh, you're with us. If you can look in the seat back, uh, the back of the seat in front of you, it's always a tongue twister. Let me just say the seat in front of you. There is a connect card. You can fill that out and uh, turn it into the welcome center. And uh, Donna or one of our awesome greeter people uh, will collect that from you and give you more information and uh, we're just excited that you guys are here. There is leadership on January 31st. So if you serve on any of our serve teams, if you're in the booth, if you are uh, a deacon, a life group leader, uh, any of our serve teams, would you stand up? Actually, first of all, we want to thank you. Would you stand up? Okay, I know there's a lot of you. That's like, it's literally 40% of you. Okay, now everybody put your hands together. These are the guys who are serving all the time. To make Rock of Grace a reality, and it means a lot to us. So all of you who just stood, we have leadership coming up January 31st. So you'll get an email more about that, but uh, join us January 31st. Hey, I want to invite up a new friend of mine, Adam Goodenough. Come on up. Can you guys welcome our missionary today, Pastor Adam? So my name is Adam Goodenough. Um, just like it sounds, good enough. And uh, I have my wife, Drea. Um, the next picture is of my family. Uh, I wish they could be here, but we have two under two. So um, sleeping is an ordeal, but a four-hour drive is even more so. Um, so if, if they were here, I know my daughter would be dancing to the music, and it would have been a really good time. But uh, we're just grateful that y'all had us here today. Um, thank you for letting us share our heart and what we're doing. Uh, we are Chi Alpha Missionaries. So... Christ Ambassadors on the college campus, uh, and we are at the University of Cincinnati. So my wife and I, uh, we moved up August from San Antonio, Texas, where we had been doing Chi Alpha for the past 10 years, and our desire and hope is to see Chi Alpha planted on the, the college of the University of Cincinnati. Um, so let me just share a story about what Chi Alpha is a little bit about. Um, I have a friend, his name is Ryan, and uh, Ryan grew up in church, and uh, he was looking around at universities he wanted to go to, and I, somehow he landed on the University of Texas at San Antonio. Um, and so he went there, and he wasn't really looking for anything in particular. He, he went to church his whole life, went to youth group and stuff like that, but he was like, oh, maybe I'll be a part of something. And uh, he met some guys, and these guys were, were really interesting because um, they not only 
loved Jesus, but they loved to talk about him, and they loved to read their Bibles and worship, and they treated him like a really good friend. And he was like, okay, well, I want to I be friends with these guys then. They have the same values and everything. And uh, as he began to become friends with them, they really began to challenge him on what does it mean to walk with God? Like, what does it mean to be a Christ follower? And so uh, his freshman year, he rededicated his life to the Lord. He said, I really want to walk with you, God, like these people walk with you because they speak like they know you. And I haven't heard someone talk like that. And so um, the picture is of my friend Ryan. He's right there in the middle, redhead. Uh, He is hilarious. He's a lot of fun. Um, So Ryan met me my freshman year, uh, and I grew up in the church. Um, We went consistently, but I had no desire to be a part of anything besides going to church and checking off the box. Um, And I had never met anyone my age who talked about Jesus either. Um, And so when I met him, I was like, oh, he's really cool. He treats me like his friend. Uh, But I instantly became uh, convicted about what was going on in his life because uh, he he had had what happened to his friends happen to him. He started to hear from the Lord. He started to walk with God. He started to be able to know him personally. And I I knew there was some kind of disconnect there. Um, and so I ran, <laughs> as most freshmen do sometimes. Is I ran. I I was convicted about it, and I ran. Um, and I thank God that my story didn't end there, though. So you see. In college, there are so many different things fighting for, for a student's life, for a student's soul, for a student's attention. At the University of Texas at San Antonio, we, we had a group on campus, and they were called the Atheist Agenda. And what they would do is they would have a thing called Smut for Smut. They would say, you give us your religious text, your Bible, your Quran, your whatever, and we'll give you porn because we believe that they're equal. They're both smut in our eyes. Um, and I had teachers who were bashing missionaries in my engineering class, of all things. And so there's, there's all these things, if you didn't know already, that spiritual warfare happening on the college campus. Everything is fighting for a student's attention. And the thing is, it, sometimes it's good things. Sometimes it's sports careers that like 1% of students actually go to the NFL or go to the uh, MLB or it's... Uh, uh, academics. Some students say, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to devote my life to getting this career, getting this money, getting this identity. And the thing is, that choice, all these good choices, they also are like the bad choices. They don't have Jesus as the center of why they're doing what they're doing. And so they did a study a little while back, and it uh, kind of amazed me, but they said three out of four Christian freshmen who have actually attended uh, church when when they came in, they left the college not believing in God anymore. They left college not even claiming to be a Christian anymore. So these are not um, these are not students freshmen who are who are coming sporadically to church. They're the ones who are coming every Sunday. They're the ones in youth group. They're in the ones uh, serving. They're doing these things. They come to college. And they leave saying, I don't know if I believe in God, and I don't claim to be a Christian anymore. So that's scary. <laughs> so what do you do? You can't, say, you can't say, oh, well, then we'll just pull them out. We'll, we'll, we'll take them away from that culture. We'll, uh, 
will make sure that they don't get any type of uh, interactions with college students or the college campus because it's so dangerous. Um, because that's not what Jesus said. He said that he wanted to take them out of the world, to take the world out of them, and then to put them back into the world, you know? Um, and so, uh, luckily, like I said, my story didn't end there. The Lord really dealt with me, and I had to come to a point where I said, on my knees in my college dorm, I said, Lord, I want you to tell me what you want to do with my life. I want you to tell me, and I don't care what it is, I just want you to speak to me because I want what he had. And the beautiful thing is, the Lord spoke to me. And then uh, I uh, really fell in love with Jesus. I began to hear his voice, and I said, okay, I want to do this for someone else now. Um, so I'm going to go through these pictures. So I met Ryan. There's me, a lot younger. Um, I met Ryan. I started walking with God. And then I met Jeremiah, which is the next picture. And Jeremiah, he was going through the same things. He... Uh, we wrestled through things. He had to give up some things that he knew were bad for him and what the Lord was speaking to him. And I got to baptize him and see his life radically transformed and got to baptize him in, in water. And then Ryan, or Jeremiah met Chris, and Chris is the one to his right. And Chris was going through anxiety and depression and uh, a lot of the things that our newest generation are struggling with. And he gave his life to the Lord. And Jeremiah got to baptize him. And then Chris went on and he met Nate. And Nate is now a Bible study leader at the University of Texas at San Antonio. And he is preparing to be a part of a church planning team. And so <laughs> the beautiful thing is, is that somebody met Ryan on the college campus his life was transformed for God, radically transformed. He started living for him for serious, or seriously, and then it did this whole exponential change. Not only his life was affected, but his wife and his kids, and then the next person, and the next person, and the next person. And it's beautiful um, because I believe that the Bible illustrates this great. Paul in 2 Timothy 2.2, 2, he's uh, talking to Timothy, and it's like a father is talking to a son. He says, and these things that you've heard from me among many witnesses, commit these to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. So even in that, you can see that, that Paul is illustrating this. He says, my dear Timothy, my son Timothy, I have cared for you. I've given what I've given to you. He says, the things you've heard from me, commit to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. So it's this, this lineage and this chain. And it's beautiful that what God does in you, he wants to do through you. And that's the heart of what we do is we believe that um, what God has done in your life, giving you salvation, giving you the empowerment of the Holy Spirit is not just for you and for you to enjoy. It's for you to take and give to those who don't have. It gives us a burden. It gives us a responsibility. It, it exponentially changes the kingdom of God. And you see it with the demoniac. Jesus, the demoniac wanted to follow Jesus he was, he was released from all these demons and stuff, and Jesus said, no, go into the surrounding towns and tell them your story. We see it with the woman at the well. She came to Jesus and heard these things, and he said, I know you, and, and, and he said, I am the one that we've, you've been waiting for, and then she ran ahead of him to share what was going on. And so uh, we are excited to see that happen on a campus like the University of Cincinnati. 
I don't believe um, numbers are always the best illustration of things, but uh, the, at the University of Texas at San Antonio, we, we had 600 students who were involved in Chi Alpha, and we had 100 Bible study leaders, and we were able to send out five Chi Alphas and send missionaries to India and Turkey and France, and it amazes me what God can do with on-fire college students. And so um, at a university of... At a university like the University of Cincinnati, we can only imagine what he's going to do with 45,000 students. So all that we have left, so we've been support raising, itinerating since January. All that we have left is my wife's budget now. So my wife's budget is $2,000 a month. Um, and so we are looking for people who will pray for us uh, to see the university transform. But we're also looking for those who will financially partner with us monthly to see us on the campus. Um, so if you would like to talk to us and hear about this more, we have a table set up in the lobby, and we'd love to talk to you. Hey, before you go, I always, we always like to pray for our missionaries. And I also, I just want to bless you. you know, the, uh, I've said before, the thing I look for the most, the thing I love most about someone is a, just a real sweet spirit and a Christ-like spirit, and you definitely carry that. Would you guys all agree with me on that? I want you guys to stretch your hands towards Adam, and uh, Adam, we bless you. God, we, uh, we just thank you for Adam. We thank you for his heart, uh, for you, for the lost. God, I just pray for favor. Lord, I pray that every dollar of that budget would be raised, God, so that he and his wife and his uh, beautiful two children would be able to go into the mission field. No, no stressors, God, no financial burden on their shoulders, but God, just a, an amazing gratitude and a big smile on their face that you, their father, has provided all things. And Father, I pray, God, for unique divine moments, divine moments, Lord. Lord, he just mentioned a woman at the well experience. Um, something that we've heard a lot here is that after an experience here that they that people start moving in the prophetic, and I sense that happening in your life too, Adam. You're gonna have more moments of woman at the well experiences. Um, something just about being in this house, I thank you, God, that that prophetic gift was going to increase in my, in my new friend. God, I thank you for moments in the classroom, after classroom, just over coffee together, that he will have uh, words of knowledge. God, words of wisdom for people. God, that they would have transformative experiences just talking with Adam and looking into the eyes of Jesus as they're looking into the face of Adam. I pray, God, they would be challenged, they'd be changed by the person of Jesus when they just talk with him. Even if it's two minutes, they will feel your spirit. God, they will feel inspired, the need to change. In Jesus' name, amen. Man, that was awesome. I just, I'm excited about what God has done in, in Texas and now what he's going to do in Cincinnati. Did you say 45,000 students? Wow. That's a harvest, guys. That's a big harvest field. Amen? Well, we're going to receive our offering. Uh, as usual, you can do that online uh, using our Rock of Grace app, uh, or you could just drop it in that, that uh, not a bucket. What is it called? Thank you, Mercy Box. What did I call it that one week in the middle of the sermon? The Ark of the Covenant. I don't know how that came out. I was like, can you bring the Ark up here? And I was like, apparently I'm David and it's the Ark. All right, uh, let's, let's pray. Father, I thank you. 
so much for your goodness. Thank you, Lord, for bringing Adam and uh, his team to us today. I pray, God, just again, a blessing on him. I, I thank you for the stewardship of your people. Lord, in this sermon series on stewardship, I pray that we would not uh, just hear a, a sermon uh, that's been prepared, but God, you would speak to our hearts, that we would have an encounter with you. You are the master. We know you're coming. God, we know you're coming. May we be like those, those wise uh, virgins who had the oil filled, Lord, in the, lamp, in the lamps. God, may we be ready for when you return. So I thank you for all of the, the stewards in this room. And I just pray, God, that a spirit of gratitude and generosity would continue. We know you've already been pouring it out. I've been hearing so many testimonies. But I pray for even more as we open your word today. In Jesus' name. What if we truly understood stewardship? This idea that everything we have is not ours, but God's. How would that change our perspective? How much more careful would we be with what we've been given? How much more would we pray asking God, the owner, what he would like us to do in each and every situation? The truth is one day we will all give an account to the master, a report on what we did with what we were given. Jesus made that clear. The question is, will he turn to you and say, well done, good and faithful servant, enter into my joy. So I want to recap last week for you uh, for just a minute or two. If you've got the, um, the Rock of Grace app open, if your service works, depends if you have Verizon or AT&T, hallelujah. But... Um, there, there's notes in there and fill in the blanks. I want to give you some of our, our uh, introduction here from last week. We said this, everything in your life is a gift of God's grace. Everything in your life is a gift of God's grace. And, you know, it's something I talk about a lot with my kids. And, and I would encourage you, all of you who are parents um, or step-parents and grandparents and any, anybody who has young people under your care to communicate that to them so that they and you start living from the perspective of gratitude. The good steward lives from the perspective of gratitude. Why? They know everything in their life is a gift of God's grace. Amen? God, this is the second big thing here. We said God is more concerned with your faithfulness than your success. We're going to talk about that a little bit more today. God is more concerned with your, everybody say faithfulness, than success. So why why do I say that? Too many Christians today have lumped together uh, American capitalism and Christian success, right? So not all have, but some have. And again, nothing wrong with uh, capitalism. In fact, that's one of the things that is a derivative of being a good steward, is you want to create something that other people enjoy. Read the book of Proverbs and you'll understand God is all for a good work ethic. Can I get amen? But success in the eyes of man does not equal success in the eyes of God. Why? God is more concerned with your faithfulness. Faithfulness, okay? So for the Christ follower, the goal then is to simply be faithful. And how do we define faithfulness? To be reliably excellent with whatever opportunities God has given you. We're going to come back to that idea a little bit more today. Reliably excellent with whatever 
opportunities God has given you. And trust me, God has given you opportunities. Gary, great to see you. I love you, man. I just wanted to tell you. Excited. Love you, buddy. All right. Um, God has given you opportunities. God has given you seasons, assignments, talents, gifts, abilities. And he's looking to you to uh, take those in with gratitude and be faithful to him. So here's the big three takeaways. And this is going to be all month long. This is the three things I want you to know. In fact, can we read this together? Let's all read it together. The good steward is committed to being faithful more than successful. The good steward is motivated by gratitude to Jesus, the master. The good steward is rewarded and enters into his master's joy. How many of you here were last spring when we talked about the three crowns in Revelation, the crown of glory, the crown of righteousness? You will be rewarded. You'll be rewarded. Ray, Dennis, your crown's going to be like this big. I I saw the face. He's like, yes, I will. It's for Jesus, Dennis. It's not for you, buddy. You missed the sermon. Okay. You will be rewarded, though, at the end of the age when Jesus comes back. All right? Which, by the way, keep in mind, based on Matthew 25, it could be at any point. It could be at any point. Right? When he comes, you will be rewarded according to your faithfulness. Right? Now, grace, we were very clear last week, grace is completely free, completely free. The people in the vineyard who came at 5 p.m. were paid the same amount as those who came at 9 a.m. How many were here last week, right? So we're stewarding grace. Grace is completely free, but your assignments are unique and different. And I, I love this topic. Honestly, I could probably preach four months on this topic. Because I love meeting people who are uniquely gifted to do a unique thing. And so it's going to be hard to squeeze this into one sermon, but I'm going to try my best. So let the food burn that's in the crock pot. All right. We not only steward grace. We not only steward grace, but we steward the seasons and assignments given to us by God. We not only steward grace, but the seasons and assignments given to us by God. Adam, you're entering a new season. So you're going to be asked things in the next few months you weren't asked a few years ago. And based on that smile, I can think it's already happening, right? God's going to ask you to surrender some things that he didn't ask you in 2018. And guess what? Five years from now, 10 years from now, whenever it is that you enter a new season, there will be new assignments and hear me, a new level of surrender to Jesus. Because with every new season comes a new level of surrender to the master. Why? You have a greater revelation of gratitude. You have a greater revelation of his grace. And I want to tell you something. The more you surrender Listen, I'm, I'm not on halfway through page one. This is going to be a long sermon. Oh, Lord. But listen, the more you surrender, you will not be able to stop the blessings in your life. Craig got it. Did anybody else get it? You will not be able to stop the blessings in your life. Right? So a young man came up to me today, and he said, you know, I know you said you're going to experience or we're going to experience 52 days of miracles. He said, I want to be one of those miracles. And so he donated a guitar to the church. So if you're like, I want to learn guitar, I want to be a worshiper, 
we have a guitar for you. We're handing out cars, guitars, all, anything that rhymes with that. But um, listen, there's been 52 days. God said there was going to be 52 days of miracles. And I felt like, you know what? I'm just feeling, I'm just feeling extra spontaneous today. Is that okay? I'm feeling extra spontaneous. Um, Steve, you know the testimony you shared with me about that prophetic word happening and you walk, can you come up and share that real quick? Give Steve a hand and his wife, come on down. The price is right. Come on. I need some price is right music. It's testimony time. Okay. This is Carrie and Christy's dad uh, and mom and they, uh, they love Jesus. And uh, they were just sharing with me about how God has been so faithful and I was like, this is exactly what God told me he was going to do. So I thought it'd be fun to just let them share with you uh, what they were sharing with me. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I thought he forgot all about it, so I forgot what I was going to say. No, I'm just kidding. But he, uh, a couple months ago, he uh, sort of embarrassed us in front of the congregation, and he made everybody stand up and, and uh, just put their hands and pray for us. And he, but he prophesied, spoke a word over us that... Um, our ministry was going to grow, and uh, more unity in the family. Our family is going to grow, and uh, uh, my wife will share about that in a minute. But, um, you know, he spoke that word, and uh, I said, well, yeah, that, that could happen. And, you know, anybody ever speak a word over? He said, well, yeah, that, that could happen. But it has happened, and it's like things just keep, we just see, see miracles every single day. Every single day we've seen miracles this past week. And um, you might say, well, how can you have a miracle every, every day? What's well, how you look at life. If, you're, if you have gratitude, you're going to see a miracle every day. It could be as simple as a, man, that car almost ran into me, but it didn't run. That's a miracle. Or maybe you've been sick for two weeks and you get up, you get up, and all of a sudden you're healed. Yeah. Those are miracles every day. You just need to look for them. And I think if, if we look for a miracle every single day, you're going to be, you're going to be praise God. You're going to praise God more. You're going to have more gratitude. Your attitude is going to change. And the people around you are going to say, what's wrong with this guy? It's because your gratitude has changed and you're drawn closer to God. And can you know how much fun it would be to look for a miracle every day? Yes. Instead of being down and looking at your work schedule and the people around you, maybe your family, you're, you're sort of separated from your family. But if you start looking for miracles, that can, that can really catch on. And so I, wanna, I just want to praise God for um, that Jordan was um, obedient to speak words over us through the Holy Spirit. And so if Jordan's spoken over you before and, well, I, I haven't seen anything happen yet, it's because you, you don't have gratitude. You can't have miracles without gratitude. You got to start being thankful every day about what God's doing for you. Amen? Um, we had really never been prophesied over before. And so that was new for us. And we've already been praying for you because you were prophesied over last week. But let me tell you what, after he prophesied over us, things got rough. Satan has tried to kill my children emotionally and physically. And he has tried to destroy our family. But the thing is, we have the Holy Spirit in us. And we can take authority. And we said, Satan, you cannot have my family. You cannot have what God has intended for me to have. And so, Father God, he has tried to, even this past week, he tried to kill our daughter. 
but now she's at home today with a brand new little baby. After 12 hours after my grandkids stood in the gap and prayed for their mom, she was home the very next day. And so if God has given you a ministry to, he will equip you. Steve didn't get to tell it, but Stephen, um, God laid on his heart to do a new ministry, and somebody from all the way from Alabama sent him money this past week to follow through in this ministry. And dear Father God, there is miracles everywhere. We have a new granddaughter. Her name is Evelyn Martha Dismukes, and so we just praise God for her. Amen. Isn't that awesome. That was, I remember that was part of that word was financial blessings was going to come out of nowhere. Oh, so cool. Well, I just want to encourage you that um, the good steward knows that you're entering new seasons. And with those new seasons comes new assignments. So turn in your Bibles. We're going to finally get to it. Luke 19. We're going to get to this parable that we were about to get to last week. We ran out of time. And um, we're going to pick up Luke 19, verse 12. All right? He said, therefore, a noble man went into a far country to receive for himself a kingdom and then return. Calling ten of his servants, he gave them ten minas and said to them, engage in business until I come. But his citizens hated him and sent a delegation after him saying, we do not want this man to reign over us. When he returned, having received the kingdom, he ordered, notice he said he having received the kingdom, he ordered these servants to whom he had given the money to be called to him that he might know what they gained by doing business. Everybody say what they gained. Okay, the first came before him saying, Lord, your mina has made me 10 minus more. And he said to him, well done, good and faithful servant, because you have been faithful in very little, you shall have authority over 10 cities. And the second came saying, Lord, your mina has made five more. And he said to him, you are to be over five cities. Then another came to him saying, Lord, here's your mina, which I kept away hidden in a handkerchief. I buried it. I was afraid of you. You're a severe man. You take, hear all those accusations? You take, you're severe. You take what you did not deposit. You reap what you did not sow. He said to him, I will condemn you by your own words. You wicked servant. You knew I was a severe man. And of course, he's being facetious now. He says, taking what I did not deposit. By the way, how can God steal anything? He owns everything. (laughs) Okay, so let's just think about that. Why did you not put my money in the bank and at coming, I might have collected it with interest? And he said to those who stood by, take the mina from him and give it to the one who has 10 minas. And they said to him, Lord, he already has 10. I tell you that to everyone who has, more will be given. But from the one who has not, even the little he has will be taken away. But as for these enemies of mine who do not want me to reign over them, bring them here and slaughter them before me. Now, in 2021, you might think, Jordan, you might want to leave that verse out. Slaughter them before me. I'm sorry, I'm not that type of preacher. I just read the Bible. I don't cut out the parts I don't like. Um, Is that okay? So hopefully we're grounded in Scripture. So here's the thing. There's a lot of truth. There's a lot of justice in who Jesus is. And he deserves a return on his investment. All right? And I'm telling you, we are going to enter a time, there's going to be a time when the, when the master comes. And you're going to be asked, what have you done with what I've given you? Now, all of you are going to be asked this question today throughout the sermon. Are you the good steward? 
Are you the good? Are you faithful with what God's given you? One of the best examples I can give you of faithfulness is John McClellan. God gave him a mind uh, for computers that's amazing. It's just unbelievable. Really anything electronic, really anything in the universe. But the man has used that gift for decades, four or five decades probably, serving in this church from everything to security, uh, as a board member, all kinds of things. He's constantly serving. Because here's what he says, God, you've given me this, giving it back to you. You know what I'm saying? Uh, You gave me this, I'm giving it back to you. But here's the problem with most stewards. They're too concerned with someone else's stewardship. And I want you to hear me this morning. I want you to hear me. I want you to hear me. I know it's important what's going on in Washington. I get it. I know it's important, and we need to pray for our country. I know it's important, but you will miss your stewardship if you are so fixated on Ted Cruz's stewardship. And the master is going to come to you, and he's going to say, do your neighbors know me? The master is going to come to you, and he's going to say, the, the orphans in trouble, do they know me? And so many Christians right now, and again, it's important. I understand it's important what's going on in Washington. I mean, no, it's important. Totally. Everybody would agree it's important. Yes, it's important, but guys, we got to guard our hearts that you're not so distracted on someone else's stewardship, you're missing your stewardship. Your stewardship. See, your stewardship is uniquely for you. So God put, like, let me give you an example. God put this thing on me years ago for this school of ministry. We're going to roll out a soft launch of it this year. We're so excited about it, right? Guess what? When Courtney stands before the master, he's going to say, hey, what about David You? He's going to what do you mean about that? What do you mean? That's not going to ask, but he's going to ask me, hey, did you obey? You see, I have to be, I have to be totally surrendered. I have to be totally surrendered to this assignment. I have to say yes to whatever he puts before me because it's my assignment. It's not Gary's assignment. It's not Craig's assignment. It's not Courtney's assignment. It's my assignment. And my assignment, my stewardship looks totally different than yours. And you will not be held accountable for someone else's stewardship. You guys okay this morning? You'll be held accountable for your stewardship. You see, the master's not going to turn to me and say, hey, what about those college students in Cincinnati? I'm going to say, what? I never heard of such a thing, right? But he's going to ask that about to Adam, right? So this parable is about stewardship. It's about realizing who you are in light of who he is. It's about realizing who you are in light of who he is. How many realize he is a good, generous, amazing God? How many would say he has been so good and generous to you, right? So it is our joy now to receive that and say, God, if you've given me this home, it's for you. Who can eat at my dining table? If you've given me these these funds, if you've blessed me financially, if you've blessed my investments, who can I bless? I encourage you to do something Danielle and I have done. Make a blessed list on your phone. I have a blessed list, really. 
It's literally called blessed list. And whenever we have any sort of, of extra income, I go to my blessed list. And I say, eeny, miny, miny, mo, Holy Spirit, pick one that you know. I don't say that, but anyway. <laughs> I mean, that's really how it works, but I don't sing that. Okay, I just like, Lord, here you are blessed. And it's a blast. Why? Because I want to be a good steward. And I know that if God has given that blessing, it's not for me, it's for me to bless somebody else. Because why Jesus makes the Abrahamic promise a reality. I'm getting ahead. Let me go back. All right. Jesus, our master, gives us often the very thing he asks us to give him. The very thing he asks you to give up, to steward, you watch, he often gives it back to you. You have a dream, he often will say, give me that dream. You have something that you say, well, this is important to me. He'll say, oh, give me that. Why don't you just give that up? Why? He wants to make sure the dream is not Lord. This can be your ministry. This can be your business. This can be a lot of things. I've met, I've met people where I know their ministry was Lord. Their ministry was Lord. And not the Lord being Lord. The Lord's got to be Lord. Right? So here's what, hear me, guys. Even your ministry, if you're not careful, can become an idol. Because we've seen it happen, we've seen it even happen in this church. Well, this is my ministry. It's like, well, it's Jesus's. <laughs> right? Because what, you, what can happen is God can ask you to give something up. Why? To make sure he is on the throne and not that dream, not that ministry, not that promotion, not that whatever it is. Amen? So he asks us to be good stewards and sometimes to give up the very thing that we're praying for. Remember, grace is what God's given you. Faithfulness is what we give to God. Now, this passage has governed my life from Luke 19. I can't tell you the number of times that God has blessed us and God has brought me back to Luke 19. Um, I even remember the time. I think I shared this last week. I remember that time in my apartment in Bible college when I read this and God, it was like God entered my, my room and said, hey, you're, you gotta be the good steward. Stewardship's gotta be important to you. So I wanna ask you, do you want to be faithful? Do you want to step out in faith and increase what you have. Do you want to step out in faith and increase what you have? You see, fear will always stop you. Notice the third person. I was afraid, therefore I hid. I was afraid, therefore I hid. Now I want to tell you something I say often here, right? God's perfect love casts out all fear. God's perfect love, Castle. I remember I even had someone say to me um, a while back, well, why do, David, you, you, you have too much on your plate and you don't need to, that's, that's going to be too much. And I said, well, here's the thing. If I stand before the master and he says, well, you didn't do that. Three people came through and prophesied the same thing to you. Then I'm going to stand before that. And here's what I also know. God gives you the grace to do what he's asked you to do. God will always give you the grace that, to do what he's asked you to do. We just talked about it before service with Ray and Nicole right? God gives you the grace to parent, to do the calling, to live out whatever he's asked you to do. Fear will always stop you. Love 
propels you forward. Let me say it again. Fear will always stop you. Fear will always stop you. Well, Pastor Jordan, you don't understand. I don't have the money. I don't either. I don't have the money. I can't tell you the times I didn't either. All I had was a prayer. Living on a prayer. Come on, somebody. Man, I am. I need some more coffee. I need less coffee. I think that's the problem. I actually need less coffee. You got to step out and give the master something back. Because if he comes to you and says, well, what did you do with I gave you? You say, well, I was afraid. Well, why? And you accuse? Well, you're a severe man. No, no, God is not severe. He's just, but he's incredibly not severe. He's incredibly gracious. How many would say in here right now, God has given you 10, 20, 50 second chances? Come on, right? Seriously. He's incredibly gracious to you. And if you say, well, Pastor Jordan, I I blew it in my 20s. I blew it in my 30s. And I don't know this thing that I've always dreamed about. I don't think I can do it. Yes, you can. Yes, you can. Abraham and Sarah, right? Stepped into faith at the old age, right? It's amazing. So 2 Timothy 1.7, we find this promise. God has given us a spirit, not a fear, but what? Let's read this together. Power, love, and a sound mind. Power, love, and a sound mind. Oh, I wish I could just look at every American Christian eye to eye today and say, God has not given you a spirit of fear, but of power, of love, and a sound mind. Stop with the fear and the confusion, and I'm just going to hide. No. People need Jesus, and people need you to use your faith to serve them. God has given you talents. God's given you abilities. God's given you assignments. And it's going to be remarkable if you'll just say yes. If you say, I don't know how all the answers. I don't either. Welcome to the club. Right? But we say yes to God. When we enter new seasons with new assignments, we're often stewarding grace at work. And I'm telling you, as I prayed for the year, God told me that there was going to be multiple miracles at work. Hear me, guys. I hope you hear me. You are going to receive miracles at work. All right. Let's try that again. I'm going to get in your face. Sometimes you don't believe me. You're going to receive miracles. Lenny, at work. Come on. You're going to receive miracles. You're going to experience God. God's no longer going to be this thing on Sunday, but Jesus is going to suddenly be the center of my life. So when I'm in the meeting and there's a problem that we're all trying to brainstorm and we can't seem to solve, I'm going to seek the Father. He's going to give me wisdom and suddenly God is going to enter that meeting. Amen? God wants to enter your day to day. He wants you to steward all that he has 9 to 5. Not just Sundays, 10 to 12. 9 to 5. Right? When you get home, five to nine, right? And if you're like me, when you're trying to put the kids to bed from nine to ten, <laughs> my wife's been gone for a week. You know, they say the heart grows fonder. Absence makes the heart grow. Yes, I'm ready for her to be home. I'm fond of her being home to help me with these 25 children. 
Just going to throw that out there. Danielle's girls trip lasted a month. All right. I was thinking that last night. I was like, absence makes the heart grow fonder. Yeah. I could use some help. Okay. No, just, just teasing you, babe. Love you. All right. So let's go back to our main points. I want you to miss this. The good steward is committed to being faithful more than being successful. The good steward is motivated by gratitude. The good steward is rewarded. And every one of you are going to have different moments when you are uniquely told by the master, do this. You see, there's going to be times, Noel, when, you're, when someone books Big Oak Meadows and you're going to be meeting with them and God's going to say, do this. I want you to do this. Do you know why? You're just the manager. You're just the manager. Yeah, it might say owner on the website, but Jesus is the master. And what's going to happen is every time you say yes, Noel, every time, okay, yeah, suddenly God brings a blessing. God brings a blessing. I want to tell you a story. I'm going to fast forward to my sermon a little bit. Uh, media team, I'm going to fast forward to page nine. Okay? So fast forward to page nine. We'll go back to seven in just a second. I heard somebody giggle. The sermon's too long. No, it's not. We're Pentecostal. Who said that? Who said that? We Baptist up in here. Come on now. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm just kidding. Everybody relax. Turn your neighbor, say relax. It's okay. All right. Let me read this story from, I I like to read books um, after I've written the message to see if there's a cool story that could work. And I reread the The Blessed Life by Robert Morris. I was rereading part of it, I should say, this weekend and loved this. Okay, listen to this. Pastor Morris uh, he is the, is the pastor of a very large, effective church, great guy, well-respected in Christianity. He says this, The odometer on our station wagon showed at 130,000 miles as I rolled up to the gas station pump in Oklahoma. It was 1984, and I was a young evangelist. In those days, my wife and I, Debbie, we gladly uh, would drive to any place that was giving me an opportunity to preach. We were on a journey in the sense of two words. We were preaching the gospel, but God was about to teach us something about stewardship. I went up to the counter to pay for my gas, and the lady said, it's taken care of. Excuse me, I asked a little confused. It's taken care of, what do you mean? She said, you don't owe anything for the gas. And now I was really confused because I knew I had not paid yet, and uh, I tried to pay again, and she said, it's taken care care of, God told me you're an evangelist and I'm supposed to pay for your gas today. And so he was really humbled and he thought that was cool, but he realized the miracle was just beginning. As a traveling evangelist of my income, uh, or my income came in from love offerings, of course, I would receive after I preached. In those years, my income offerings uh, would be $800 one week, $200 the next week. We really had to live by faith. Debbie and I just never knew what was going to come in. We had to trust God with our finances. We were diligent tithers, giving 10% of our income to God. But God had spoken clearly to us about the, several, uh, about the principle of the tithe and offerings. Many years earlier, we were always faithful to give. And our needs were always miraculously met. But this gas station miracle was just the beginning. I was scheduled to preach at church that night. And I was only scheduled to preach for one night. 
But it turns out it was the only meeting scheduled all month, and Debbie and I were pretty stressed out from a financial standpoint, knowing uh, our needs may not be met this, this month, and we only had this one service. As the service came to a close, a love offering was received, and the pastor approached me and, say, Robert, and said, Robert, I'm pleased and amazed to tell you this is the largest love offering our little church has ever given. I'm so happy to give you this. I opened the envelope and realized it was exactly four times the amount of our typical uh, offering. So God had provided for the entire month but that's not where the miracle ended. I stood there and the Holy Spirit said, give the entire check to the missionary. Now, by the way, I know this feeling. I got to tell you, this has happened to me many times. And I will tell you a story in a moment. But this is, this is what makes life fun, by the way. This is, what, this is when God stretches our faith. Has anybody ever had God stretch your faith, right? Okay, four of you, awesome. I'm just gonna preach till 3 p.m. until you all get it. You know, if you raise your hands, I'll preach shorter. All right, guys? It's not that complicated. All right. He's like, well, I kind of get it. Well, then I have to talk more. All right. Here we go. I tried to rationalize this voice. This couldn't be the Lord because clearly, God, you just provided for me for the entire month. It's four times the amount of one uh, service usual. It's everything I need. And God's voice wouldn't stop. Go give the missionary your check. Go give the missionary your check. So I walked across the room, discreetly uh, wrote the check out, uh, forwarded it to him. And then next thing you know, I went out to eat, to have pizza with some of the people in the church. A man sitting aside, sitting across from me that was well-dressed looked at me dead in the eyes while I'm eating my pepperoni pizza and says, how was the check tonight? And I'm thinking, boy, this guy's audacious. And then he looks at me and says, what was the amount? And then the guy, and he said, I'm thinking, boy, this guy has a lot of nerve. I've never been asked what was the check. So I didn't know what to do. I just answered him and I told him. And then he had the nerve to stare at me even longer and say, where's the check? And he said, this pastor lied right through his pearly white teeth. I said, my wife has it. Keep in mind, he just gave it to the missionary, okay? But he just felt flustered and and didn't know what to do. And, and he said, why don't you go get it from her? And he's like, okay. So he says, I go down to the end of the table, whisper into my wife's ear, how's your pizza? She says, good, why are we whispering? He's like, okay. I walk back to my seat, sit down, and the businessman looks me in the eye and says, she doesn't have that check, does she? And he says, now I'm getting really mad, kind of annoyed. And this is when the man says, God is about to teach you a lesson in generosity and stewardship. He handed me a check for 10 times the amount I had just given away. And now you have to realize, since that day, he's given away multiple cars, thousands of dollars, because God just keeps blessing him. He also says, God is going to use you. The man looked at him and said, God's going to use you to teach the church about generosity. Now you have to realize there have been hundreds of pastors who have given hundreds of copies of his book away called The Blessed Life, an amazing, amazing book. So why? 
Why would you be called to be a blessing? Because the Abrahamic blessing was this. I'm going to bless you so that you can be a blessing to the nations. Jesus makes that a reality. He grafts you into his family and makes you a blessing to the nations. I'll never forget. I've been asked so many times, whenever there was a missionary, the Holy Spirit would say, just give him, give him your offering, right? And I'm like, I really need it tonight, right? There's multiple times when I'm like, do you realize this is a youth group, <laughs> right? Like, I think my check tonight is $80, right? And this is what I'm living on faith. But I'll never forget this one time when I argued with God for probably a good 10 to 30 seconds, you know? I mean, at the minimum. Because he was just like, are you sure? And he's like, he's like, I'm sure. Okay, but this one, this one was unique because a missionary came up. I was at Eagle View Bible Church. This is about an hour from here. And I'll never forget where God said, hey, just give the missionary whatever comes in at the table. Now, you have to realize, I was living like a music, musical evangelist, a part-time at the church. So just like an evangelist, we're living by this. We go out to the table, and every single person in this church came and bought a CD. I have never, I look like Tony Gambino with this huge wad of cash and I just handed it to the missionary a little regretfully, not so cheerful and I just handed it to him no, I'm just kidding and we both cried together, it was beautiful it was awesome and it was a moment and guess what, I never missed a bill I never went hungry I can't tell you the number of times God would just suddenly bless us the day after, the week after, the month after why, you can't stop the blessing in your life when you understand stewardship when you understand you and I get to be the good steward, you won't be able to stop the blessings in your life. You won't be able to stop the blessings. Proverbs eleven twenty four says, one person gives freely yet gains more. Another holds unduly yet comes to poverty. What did we say last week, right? The bad steward holds tightly. The good steward lives with an open hand. You see, God has given us unique seasons and assignments and even finances. We're going to talk about that more next week that we are all called to be a good steward of. And I don't want you to miss this big takeaway. Listen, you will be held accountable for what you were given. You can't miss this. You can't miss this. You got to be careful. You got to be careful with what you've been given. Can everybody just hold your hands together like this? Hold them out in front of you. Imagine the things that you've been given are in your hands. Imagine in your hands the home that you have. Is there a teen at Trumbull County Children's Center that you can mentor once a month at that home? They can come have dinner with you once a month. There is a car garage that some of you steward. What single moms can you change the oil for that's totally free for them? There is a, a, a meeting at work that you have every single week that you can invite God into. There's an instrument that you're not using that a future worship leader is going to need. Is it in your hands? Can you stand up to your feet? Will's going to come, and I'm asking you today, What's in your hands? What have you been given? And I want to remind you guys, here's the trouble. 
So many people, if we go back to the parable, so many people are not good stewards. I know, these are a good-looking group of people. You guys are just like, uh. Okay, we stay right here with me. Stay right here. So many people miss out on good stewardship. Hear me, because they're too concerned with someone else's stewardship. That's what the third guy did. Same thing when you look it up in Mark, when you look it up in Matthew, every time Jesus gave this parable, if you are so concerned with someone else's stewardship, you'll miss your own stewardship. And Jesus is going to come to you with those eyes of fire, those eyes of love for you. And he's going to say, what did you do with what I gave you? He's going to come to Will, right? And he's going to say, hey, that that songwriting gift, that music gift, what did you do? And he's going to say, oh, Jesus, let me tell you about it. It's called United Worship. We bring people from Baptist, Presbyterian, Pentecostal, Bapticostal. We bring them all together under the name of Jesus. And Jesus is going to say, I know, I was there every time. Tell me more. He's going to say, Jimmy, what did you do with Biviano Carpet One? Oh, oh, Jesus, let me tell you, there was this one guy where I knew he couldn't flip the bill and the Holy Spirit told me, pay for it. And I said, okay, Lord. And then next thing, a big commercial agreement. Come on. Right? Now, am I going to be held accountable for something that Jimmy had to do with Biviano? Nope. Not at all. But you know who I'm accountable for? Lucas. This little boy in my life, I get him for another six months. So then we're going to see what happens. But while he's in my care, I'm accountable for him. I'm accountable for Rock of Grace. I'm accountable for the things I've been asked to do. What have you been asked to do? What have you been given? Gary, Courtney, what have you been given? Are you stewarding it with this attitude of thankfulness? This idea that the master is going to come and it's going to be my joy to give him a return on his investment. Amen? Let's sing this song as we close. I lift my eyes up to the mountains and I long for you my Lord my help comes from the maker of the universe I lift my eyes to you let's sing that again oh I lift my eyes up to the mountains and I long for you my Lord my help comes from the maker of the universe I lift my eyes to you let's look upon Jesus this morning hallelujah my soul sings all praise to Storms may rage and night may come, you make the dark.
Cause he watches over you He is the shade at your right hand The sun and the moon bring no harm He watches over you No matter where your feet may trod Now and forevermore Let's sing it Hallelujah, my soul sings. All praise to All praise to Those storms may rage and I make You make the darkness light. Well, I just want to pray over you right now. I see some. Is this one of your songs? I thought so. Okay, so this is one of his songs. And I just want to pray over your songs. I don't think I've ever done that up here. Can you reach your hands towards Will? God, I thank you for this gift that you've given us, God, this songwriter, this David that you've given us. God, thank you for this psalmist. God, we pray blessing over these songs. I want to be kind of weird. Can I hold this song up real quick? All right. This is going to represent Will's songs, all right? Father, we, we ask for favor upon these songs. We ask you, God, that you'll take these songs to the nations, that you will inspire people to put their trust in you as they hear Will's songs, as they surrender their heart to you. The minute they hear Will sing, the minute they hear every note, God, every lyric, God, that it would take them into the presence of God. Lord, they would surrender to you. They would surrender to you, God. We pray favor over all of his songs. Lord, not just one of his songs, all of his songs. God, we thank you that you're going to take these songs into church after church, into city after city. God, I thank you that you're going to turn. I, I hear in my spirit, Will, some of your songs are going to be translated. God, I thank you that you're going to translate some of these songs. I see multiple uh, alphabets and uh, different different types of languages. God, I thank you that you're going to translate. Why don't you guys prophesy with me? Say, God, I thank you. You're going to translate some of Will's songs to bring you glory in many nations. Come on, say it again. God, I thank you. You're going to translate some of Will's songs to bring you more glory in more nations. Father, I thank you for what you're doing in Will's songs and Will's life. We pray blessing and favor, Lord. Blessing and favor, God. I feel like we need to pray kind of a corporate repentance if we can do that. Can you just put your hand on your heart? Can we just say, God, forgive me for the times I've looked to the other stewards missing what was right in front of me. Forgive me, Lord for accusing you of giving others more. Come on, let's say that again. God, forgive me for accusing you of giving others more. I repent. I repent. I'm grateful for everything you've given me. Help me steward it well. In Jesus' name. I also, I never want a Sunday to go by where we don't give an opportunity for someone who's lost to give their heart to Jesus. Keep your, 
your head bowed, your eyes closed. If you don't know Jesus as Lord and Savior, I want to give you that opportunity right now. Maybe you were here last week. Maybe you heard me earlier talk about the Father and his relationship to the Son and that Jesus is the Master and that he's coming again. I want you to know, sir, ma'am, that your entrance to heaven has nothing to do with your performance, so don't misunderstand me today. Grace is completely free to you. His forgiveness, his unmerited favor in your life is totally and completely free. Let him change you this morning from the inside out. Let him make you a new person. If you say, Pastor Jordan, I can't get my life right. I can't get my act together. It's because you're acting in your own strength. If you want to give your heart to Jesus right now, would you raise your hand nice and high and I'll pray a prayer with you. I won't call you forward. I'll just pray a prayer with you right where you are. And maybe you're online. I know many of you are online now. I want to ask you, do you want to give your heart to Jesus? Excellent. I see young woman. It's so cool. Anybody else want to give your heart to Jesus? You say, I need to be saved. I need to be forgiven. And you know what? Maybe you gave your heart to Christ at, at a VB. I don't know why I hear the word VBS. I feel like maybe there's somebody in here. You gave your heart to Christ when you were like 10, 10 or 11 at a VBS. But now you're, you're an adult and you, and you, you were just thinking, well, I gave my heart to Christ at, at a VBS. No, if God is speaking to you, if I'm repeating back to you the very things you were just thinking, God is trying to tell you, God's trying to tell you he needs a fresh surrender, that you've not been living for him, and that he needs full surrender. If that's you, raise your hand nice and loud. Raise your hand nice and high, I mean. If that's you, raise your hand. Surrender to God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. So we're going to pray right now for those that are in the room surrendering to Christ and online. And can we all do this together, church? Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for sending your Son, your one and only begotten Son. Jesus, I believe in you. I believe you died in my place. You rose again on the third day and that you're coming back for me. I choose to live for you, no longer living for myself. I choose to live for you. I choose to follow you. Make me your child today. My heart is yours. My life is yours. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, if you prayed that prayer, is that the best thing? Being a child of God. Guess what? Let's see, what time do we start, church? 9.30? Guys, give me three more minutes. I really want to tell you this story. You guys got three more minutes? Just stand to your feet. Are you okay? Don't sit down. Don't sit down. Just scare me. You'll think, you know, not into the story. I need you to hear this story. This is so cool. Because I want to go back to something I, I took out a minute ago that I think is really important. Because here's what we do. We tell God, well... God, God hasn't given me something to steward. That's what a lot of people do. God, I, I have it too bad. I have it too rough. Well, let me tell you a couple stories. There's a man named William Conan. 
who lives near Rochester, New York, maybe you've heard of something he started called CVS. He's given away most of his millions. Do you know that? I didn't know that until I was reading this book. I didn't know that either. You're going to hear five quick 30-second stories, and they're all going to have something in common. Maybe you've heard of Fred Court, who invented the bouncy ball. How many guys have ever had a bouncy ball? Dax, have you ever had a bouncy ball? Aren't they the greatest, right? I'm 37. I still love a bouncy ball, right? Gave away most of his millions as a believer. Maybe you've heard of William Connor, who was 12 years old when his family was uprooted from their small Polish village and carted off to Auschwitz death camp. The last time he saw his mother and siblings was July 1942, shortly before they were murdered by the Nazis. He witnessed his, his home and everything be destroyed, including his family. He came to the U.S. as a refugee in 1946, a 16-year-old orphan. He ended up as a, in a foster home in Rochester, which as a result... Now there is a center for digestive and liver disease care in Strong Memorial Hospital because his family was also believers. What you don't know about Jack Jamil, Nathan uh, Chappelle, William Connor, William Conan, and Daniel Court was that all five of these men, all five of these boys survived a concentration camp where all of their family were murdered. All of their family. He was the only one, Fred Cork, he was the only one of nine survivors of the entire concentration camp at Treblanka. He lost his entire family, 60 relatives. But he took a job making toys. He gave his heart to the Lord. And guess what he did with most of his fortune? gave it all away, like we said. Why? He learned like Fred Zanman, Fred Court, Jack Jamil, Nathan Chappelle, and William Connor, that the power of his blessing, the reason he was blessed was to be a blessing. Because he understood stewardship. He realized that no matter how bad it was as a teenager, he could do something with what he was given. And all these guys were given was an idea. And if this is your life, you say, well, this is all I have is this idea. But so often we give God an excuse instead of a return. The good steward doesn't give God an excuse. The good steward gives God a return. Amen. You say, God, what is in my hand? Would you just hold out your hands again? Look at your hands and realize there's something there. There's an idea there's a home, there's a ministry. For some of you, it is finances. God has blessed you incredibly with finances for some reason, and you almost can't even explain it, why your investments have always gone so well. I can tell you why that is. Apart from just God's goodness that's hard to explain, I can tell you this, God's blessed you so that you can be a blessing, so that you can show the goodness of God to people, amen? Let's close in prayer. God, we love you. We thank you for your word. It challenges us, God. We find out who we are when we read your word. 
We find out where we stand with you. And today, God, you've humbled us and you've brought us to this place of gratitude, of brokenness. Help us to steward well what you've given. We want to give you a return on your investment. Why? Because Jesus, you're worthy. You're worthy. There is no one like you, Jesus, and you deserve my full surrender. In Jesus' name. Everybody said, amen. Be blessed. Have a great week. Love you guys.